I love Jared Allen. Fear the frog. Pow! With the right hand. That's our boy Bob Schmidt. Jared Allen with the... This is the Fear the Fro podcast, a Cleveland Cavaliers and NBA podcast with Bob Schmidt. Nobody's going to subscribe. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. Coming off a loss to the Boston Celtics, but we'll get to that momentarily. I'm Bob Schmidt, the host of the podcast, the voice of Fox Sports Radio, but most importantly, a lifelong Cleveland Cavalier fan celebrating what is an excellent beginning to the season despite tonight's events. Now, normally, In this podcast, I'd get right into the game, but I have an important programming note for those of you who tune in weekly to listen to the podcast. First of all, thank you. Secondly, prepare for disappointment because next week I will not be doing a podcast. Your Fear the Fro host is departing for the holidays with the new Mrs. Fear the Fro, and uh, we will be celebrating, and that will not include doing a podcast. As much as some of you may have suspected, that Mrs. Fear the Fro's favorite activity is talking Cavalier basketball, that is a woefully inaccurate statement. If I was to text her in the middle of the day, it's taco time when I realized that Ed Davis would not be playing in tonight's game, she would respond befuddled, thinking I'm referring to dinner plans probably after I come home from work. That could not be the case. Also, I don't want you to think I just shout out directives at my new wife about what I expect for dinner. Steak time! Get in the kitchen. That's not what's happening. Your Fear the Fro host is not a monster. But my point is, Taco Fall is not a household name in the Schmidt household, except in the confines of my mind when I'm screaming at the television silently so as not to disrupt her as she's completely ignoring the game altogether. But this is a process. The honeymoon is a great time to acquaint her with Cleveland Cavalier lore. Over time, I want her to feel the emotional turmoil that I'm in following every Cleveland Cavalier loss, including tonight, by the way. So I shall continue to give her daily updates about the disappointments that I witness when the Cavaliers do lose and regale her with tales of success when they find themselves on the opposite side of the scoring, which is normally happening this year. Just for a little perspective, before we discuss all the specifics of the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think it's important to point out that during this recent stretch, They were coming off six wins before this loss, and they were devastated by players being put on the COVID protocols list. So they were without Jared Allen. They were without Evan Mobley. They were without Isaac Okoro, Ed Davis, Lamar Stevens, Dylan Windler. All these guys could have played a big role in tonight, and they picked up some extra players just to make the roster work. Justin Anderson, Luke Cornett, Trey Scott all joined the squad. But tonight was... A story of inefficiency on both sides of the floor. Just an abysmal shooting night by all parties involved. The poster boy on the Cavaliers' side, of course, Lowry Markinen, who got extended minutes tonight, and we needed him to show up in those extended minutes. And unfortunately, while he did work on the glass, nine rebounds, he only contributed seven points in what was a brutal shooting performance. 0 for 5 from three-point land, 2 for 12 overall, just a... 17% shooting percentage from him. And that was kind of the norm across most of the roster. Now, Darius Garland was very solid. 28 points tonight, six assists. He had a few steals. Rubio had a few steals. He shot 50% from the floor. But while I like what we got out of both Darius Garland and Kevin Love, who himself contributed 18 points, 12 rebounds, nobody was really shooting good from the perimeter. You had Markinen, 
0 for 5 from deep. You had Garland, 2 for 8 from deep. You had Rubio, 1 of 5 from deep, 2 for 12 overall. So he and Lowry Markinen made just four shots out of 24 attempts. That is not going to get it done. And when you look across the whole team, the whole game, the Cavs shot under 25% from three-point land. They shot under 40% from the floor. That is not going to get it done, despite the fact that the Boston Celtics themselves were led by a star in Jason Tatum, who had a very bad game. Now, Jalen Brown dominated in the early part of this game, and he finished the game with 34 points. He shot well over 50%. He made five threes. But Jason Tatum forced the action. You could tell the Boston Celtics felt very comfortable going to the rim, comparatively speaking, to when Mobley and Allen are out there. Now, while Taco Fall did have a couple of blocks, one of which goaltending against Jason Tatum, but that's neither here nor there. It's not that he didn't do anything. It's just he's very slow laterally. He's very easy to expose if you can just get him on the move because he's going to be very tentative. And you saw a lot tonight from Robert Williams using his speed to get into the play from behind, to clean up a lot on the glass. A great night from him. Four offensive rebounds. The guy shot 10 of 12 from the floor. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. You would think you were looking at a stat line from Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns, but no. It was a quiet, deliberate, paced-over-the-course-of-the-game contribution from their starting center, more than earning that contract extension he got this offseason in tonight's game. And this is two games in a row against the Celtics where we have seen their big men do work against us. Last time it was Horford just putting the clamps on Mobley, and that was the final game, of course, before his extended absence for that elbow injury. And then tonight, Robert Williams III had his way. Overall, everything looked disjointed in the front court. Markinen did what he could, but he simply wasn't able to carry the load having to play the bulk of the front court minutes and try to play rim protector and everything else. So in the end, the Cavaliers fall to the Celtics, and that puts them into a three-way tie near the top of the Eastern Conference. They're tied with the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks at 19 wins, 13 losses. So depending on how things shake out, they could end this calendar year with more wins than last season. And I'm saying that hoping that no more games get called off or postponed. But after the first 32 games in the books, the Cavaliers are sitting well ahead of where they were a year ago. Now, keep in mind, the season last year began in December. But 30 games into that season, the Cavaliers were in the midst of a 10-game losing streak. That was mid-February after the wheels had fallen off. Jared Allen was in place. Andre Drummond was in the middle of being sat down. You had Draymond Green talking about how unfair it was and how it's a double standard between Harden and Drummond, which made zero sense whatsoever. But that was a dark point in the Cavalier season. Injuries, bad play, a massive losing streak, and they finished their first 32-11-21. And here we are with nothing but optimism at the end of 2021. So 19 and 13 is looking pretty damn respectable. And if you look at what is on the horizon, the next four games for this Cleveland Cavalier squad before New Year's are all very winnable. They play host to the Raptors the day after Christmas. And this is a Raptors team during, well, this COVID protocol era that we're living through right now this week, who is also missing a ton of key contributors. OG Ananobi, Fred Van Fleet, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Precious Achua, All of these guys, oh, Malachi Flynn, too. So they are missing, I think that's seven people that I listed. This could be two 
completely different looking lineups that get rolled out. And that's assuming the Cavaliers don't lose anyone else amongst their key contributors. If you listen to that lineup from the Raptors, you have to consider the Cavs somewhat fortunate that they still have Darius Garland out there along with Rubio, Markinen, and Kevin Love, despite the fact that they're missing, you know, some huge contributors in the front court. That is a winnable game. The next game, they take on one of the worst teams in the league, the New Orleans Pelicans. Following that, they get the Wizards again. And based on the last performance we saw from the Wizards, that is a team that the Cavaliers could handily defeat. So you could be looking at three consecutive victories for the Cavs if all goes well. The last game of the year, the Atlanta Hawks, that is an interesting one. That is a game that we would have seen on Sunday had it not been postponed. But the current state of the Hawks roster is one that can only be described as a disaster. Collins tonight, 28-12. and 12. He was, well, the lone remaining starter as Trey Young, Capella, they all missed. Cam Reddish scored 38 points tonight. He played 42 minutes. But they rolled out guys who have not been getting heavy minutes most of the season, starting DeLon Wright, Skylar Mays. Depending on what happens, that is four games away. A lot could change. They could guys could be back in the lineup. They could be fully healthy for all we know. But you have to like the Cavs' chances of if they win three of the next four, they have equaled their win total from all of the previous seasons. So excellent chance for this Cavalier squad to throw up. Well, I guess it's a meaningless accomplishment, but it would be a nice thing to throw on Twitter and celebrate and throw ourselves a little Cavs party, as we have been at least 19 times this regular season so far. So we've talked a ton about the COVID protocols, but interesting development. Former Cleveland Cavalier, Kyrie Irving. Before the season, it was well-reported, well-covered, including on this podcast, that he was planning to not get vaccinated, which would force him to be excluded from home games for the Brooklyn Nets. And shortly after he made that decision, which that was a New York state law that would not allow him to come into the Barclays Center and play these games, the team announced that, you know what, if he can't be a full-time participant, he will not be a participant at all. We will choose to exclude him until things change, whether that be the laws or whether that be just the state of the COVID situation, I guess. In any case, what's been happening in the NBA has caused a reversal in terms of the net stance on that. They are now willing to accept Kyrie Irving as a part-time participant. It's kind of surprising, I guess, in the sense that I think some people thought that the owner's stance initially was one of a, well, you're all in or you're all out type thing. But when he walked back those comments when he was explaining why he wanted Kyrie Irving back, he said, listen, I care about wins. At least initially, he didn't think Kyrie as a part-time participant would help lead to more wins. Or maybe he just thought the team had enough as a whole to succeed without Kyrie Irving. But now, with even the main players like Kevin Durant, James Harden, having to miss significant time, his stance has changed in the sense that if he's not going to have continuity anyway in terms of the roster, who was going to be there day in and day out, he might as well bring in Kyrie Irving because what's the difference whether it's a G League guy playing random games here or there or a guy with the talent level of Kyrie Irving? Certainly, in that regard, I could understand where he's coming from. But it's not going to be a wonderful thing from a PR standpoint because you're in the middle of a COVID outbreak and you're having to explain why you're bringing back a guy who willfully is not vaccinated. It's, I'm not saying that he's not willing to answer those questions. He basically has. He said, I care about winning. This isn't a political thing. That's not going to stop the questions from coming. And certainly, once Kyrie's in front of a microphone again, you can all but guarantee 
there's going to be some disastrous gaffe on his part that's going to enrage a huge portion of the population because he simply can't seem to avoid it. The Nets, led by Kevin Durant, who admittedly has had to shoulder a big load, are at the top of the Eastern Conference, 21-9 and at the time of recording this podcast. So it's not as if they're struggling. And they're doing this with Harden missing a bunch of games. It will be interesting to see how he's integrated back into the team and how this experiment goes of playing him, you know, every other game roughly. I think what was said was that of the remaining games, that would put him in line to play around 20-something games if you factor out the home games and then the other cities where he wouldn't be allowed to play, like, say, Toronto or San Francisco. Although it is odd that with the NBA, I mean, the rules don't necessarily apply with visiting players coming in in certain places. However, I guess we'll get to see what he does. But between his situation and what's happening with the Los Angeles Lakers, where they are now set to have an extended absence from Anthony Davis as he sprains his MCL, that's a four- to six-week recovery time, they are barely holding on in this playoff picture. Currently, sitting somewhere between the six and eight seed. I think I think they're seventh as of the time of recording this podcast, but certainly LeBron having to shoulder a heavy load. He and Kevin Durant should be able to relate to one another this season because the fortunes of their teams have largely been lumped upon their shoulders and where they went to these situations hoping to have more help or hoping to create these star trios. It certainly feels like what you're getting is hit and miss Westbrook, hit and miss Harden, completely absent Anthony Davis, completely absent at least up until this point Kyrie Irving, and two transcendent superstars tugging their teams along. However, the Nets doing far better than the Lakers at this point, who have lost their last three games and who are struggling in a Western Conference, which is being dominated at this moment by the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, and to a lesser extent, the Utah Jazz. Now, early games to look forward to in January for the Cavs. I cannot wait. For January 4th, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Memphis Grizzlies, the surprise teams in their respective conferences, and a chance for Cleveland to deal a blow to that smarmy social media guy running the Grizzlies account. And then within days, another matchup with the Warriors. There are some turds mixed in here. The Pacers will be the day after New Year's Day. It's a much easier schedule moving forward, and we could see the Cavs vying to have two potential all-stars. The best chance at this point would be Jared Allen, and that is primarily because of an observation which many people have already made, which is simply that it's easier to get in in the front court in the Eastern Conference than it would be as a guard. And Darius Garland will have much stiffer competition. In the Eastern Conference, you'd be hard-pressed to find centers not named Joel Embiid who have a better case. You have your typical front court staples. Kevin Durant, Giannis, they will make it but a lot of the other guys, Sabonis, Randall, Bam, they're not clear-cut all-star players. Bam is out for an extended period of time. That probably has doomed his chances at an all-star berth. Sabonis is in the middle of trade rumors. Randall is having an abysmal year compared to his breakout season last year. And your front court guys are going to be Durant, Giannis, Embiid, probably Jason Tatum, John Collins maybe, maybe Jimmy Butler. He's missed a ton of time as well. Outside of that, I don't think there are any sure things. Beyond Joel Embiid, who it's a toss-up if he's even healthy by the time the All-Star game rolls around. 17 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, and doing it on over 70% from the floor, which is just incredible. Hyper-efficient, and he's anchoring one of the best defenses in the league. Playing the best ball of his career, and certainly he seems primed 
for an all-star berth. Now, Darius Garland, the problem is it's easy to see his impact on the game when you watch, but statistically speaking, while he has taken a step forward, it's not such a dramatic leap that I would consider him a shoo-in. If he gets in, it's largely going to be on the back of the team results because there are plenty of hyper-productive guards in the Eastern Conference still. You have your usuals, Bradley Beal, James Harden, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Fred Van Vliet, all those guys playing excellent basketball at the moment, and then you have LaMelo Ball. You have at least four to five guards whose names will be in there alongside Darius Garland. So when you throw in that whole roster, could he make the All-Star game? Absolutely. But as it sits right now, I think he's going to have a hard time winning the fan vote. You're going to see the regular names pulling a lot of votes there, whether it's James Harden, because he's a former MVP, he's playing in New York. You can't discount Kyrie because he seems to be beloved by the more casual NBA fan, despite the fact that he's willingly skipping games. Fans who are voting on the All-Star game, they don't necessarily care about making a logical vote. They just like who they like. Trey Young, of course, and LaMelo Ball is a dark horse, is a guy who's kind of blown up in this second season, a highlight reel in and of himself. Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, can't forget DeRozan. He's having a fantastic season, and the Bulls are winning. Jalen Brown deserves to make it, Fred Van Fleet, but Darius Garland, maybe he gets that leap of kind of jumping into the consciousness of the kind of more casual NBA fan who says, wait a minute, who's this guy doing this crazy stuff when it comes to ball handling and floaters and pull-ups? Maybe he jumps in, but I think he's distinctly a longer shot than Jared Allen. The key for him is, again, narrative. If the team narrative is such a big story, it's going to lift the chances of all of the Cavs' key contributors to be in the running for these awards and for these recognitions like the All-Star Game. So if we see a very strong January from the Cleveland Cavaliers, I would expect that Darius Garland will get some credit and will be talked about as an All-Star. But as of right now, averaging the most minutes of his career, he has raised his scoring average, but only by about a point and a half. And his Field goal percentage has risen, but his three-point percentage is pretty much in line. Analytically speaking, he and Rubio have proven to be the best backcourt in the NBA in the minutes that they've shared. But those are the types of storylines that will have to get out there for him to kind of overwhelm the favorites, the regular names we see day in and day out. So certainly I think there are two Cavaliers who have a distinct chance at making the All-Star game, but I think the smart money is on Jared Allen. If this continues and the Cavaliers play greater than 500 basketball in January, we're looking at his first all-star berth. And Darius Garland will probably be one of the guys discussed amongst those snub articles. I don't know what to expect in terms of who may miss the all-star game this year, because that's the other thing you see. You saw it last year with Devin Booker. Didn't initially make the all-star squad, but guys missing, he ended up finally getting the call up and that could happen in this situation with Garland, because you would have to think with the game being played in Cleveland, if guys don't initially make the roster and somebody has to get called up, Darius Garland certainly is going to be right in the thick of the guys who might find themselves just edged out of the all-star game, but who could be playing there as substitutes. It would only make sense to bring in a guy who's already in the city and who is having the best season of his young career. So yeah, that's my look ahead to 2022. But 2021, wrapping up for the Fear of the Fro podcast. Thank you, everybody, who has joined the podcast over the course of this year. And thank you for indulging me as I take a week away. 
I will be back in 2022 to discuss the pride of Cleveland. And Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, all of that. Please, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, do it wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You can follow me on social media, at Fear the Fro Pod. I am Bob Schmidt, the voice of Fox Sports Radio. This is the Fear the Fro Podcast. Thank you again. Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Okay, that's enough. Stop it! This has been another Fear the Fro It's over. Podcast. That was pathetic. If you enjoyed what you heard today, put it on the highlight reel. Please consider subscribing. Check out FroPod.com for more Cavaliers and NBA coverage. That's what's on display here.